When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is Season 2, Episode 10, the end of the Cubs-Cardinals rivalry. Say it isn't so. In this segment of the show, Crowley sits down with Tommy Myers, better known as Full Count Tommy, to discuss Cubs spring training non-roster invitees. Joining me now on the Fly the W podcast, we have Tommy Myers, or as you all know him, Full Count Tommy. How are you doing, Tommy? I'm good, Crowley. Thanks for having me. Oh, it's my pleasure. I'm excited. I'm counting down the days till my trip to Mesa. And this week, the Cubs announced that they will be bringing 32 non-roster players to spring training. Tommy, can you do me a favor and just kind of tell the listeners what that means, that that concept of non-roster invitee? For sure. Yeah, essentially, it's guys who are not currently on the 40-man roster that get an invite to spring training. Um, it doesn't guarantee them anything. just gives them a shot to to be in big league camp and a shot to, to make the club out of spring. Right. And so the, the Cubs have been, you know, out of these players, there's going to be some pretty interesting names out of here. And I, I thought you'd be a good guy to talk to, to kind of break down who people should be looking at if they're also going out to spring training or the fact that Marquis pretty much broadcasting every game. So maybe some names to kind of be paying attention to. When we look at the pitchers, um, I think there's 17 that were invited to spring training uh, you got right-handers Nick Birdie, Denise Correa, Tyler Duffy, Jordan Holloway, Ben Leeper, Mark Leiter Jr., Nick Naderet, Vinny Natoli, Manny Rodriguez, and Cam Sanders. As far as the lefties, you got Ryan Baruki, Ronis Elias, Bailey Horn, Anthony Kay, Brandon Little, Braylon Marquez, and Eric Stout. Okay, when we're looking at those pitchers, who are some names that kind of jump out to you when you saw the list? Yeah, the first thing that kind of stands out overall, and it's it's interesting because the Cubs don't have a lot of velocity and kind of the projected pen is there is a lot of velocity in these non-roster invites. There's a lot of guys that that crank it up to mid to upper 90s. A um, couple of them, Nick or Nick Birdie, Dennis Correa, Jordan Holloway, Manny Rodriguez, Cam Sanders, Braylon Marquez are all guys that sit 95 plus. Um, of those guys, probably. Jordan Holloway might have the best chance to crack in. Um, I don't think any of those guys have a great chance to crack the bullpen out of spring, but it's still some really interesting arms, a mix of, of guys that have been in their system and Denise Correa and Cam Sanders and obviously Braylon Marquez and then guys that they've kind of brought in from elsewhere. Um, Jordan Holloway's from the Marlins. Then Nick Birdie's an interesting story. He was actually up. He pitched for the Pirates at one point, has had a lot of trouble with injuries, and he was actually – a minor league rule five selection for the Cubs this year, which essentially just means they pluck him from another team. And unlike the major league rule five, he gets to stick around no matter what. So he's an interesting name on that list if he's healthy. Yeah. Now Cam Sanders is related to former Cubs pitcher, Scott Sanders. And I do know that there was a lot of buzz when, you know, when, when you do, when you're talking about the rule five draft, I thought a lot of people thought that Cam Sanders was as good as gone, but he's still here. So that's gotta be good for the Cubs. Yeah. He's kind of a, a plug and play reliever at this point. He's been left off just kind of a numbers game because the Cubs do have so many upper minors relievers at this point. Um, 
but he switched to the bullpen kind of late last year, full time, and was you know ninety six to ninety eight, like touching a hundred at, at times out of the bullpen. His command's a little iffy, so that's probably what holds him back, and it's probably what other teams saw and why they didn't end up plucking him in the Rule Five. But he's a guy who has a legit shot to get innings in the big leagues this year, so he's definitely a name to keep an eye on. Now, Manny Rodriguez, you know, I, we saw him up in Chicago last year, and I've been watching him for a few years. I saw him at the alt site in Schaumburg, but something was off last year. It didn't look like his velocity was really there. I mean, was he pitching maybe injured or something, or what do you think was going on with Manrod? Yeah, I forget exactly what the injury was, but he did have an arm injury earlier in the season, and then he came back, and his, his velocity was down, I think, a tick and a half, maybe two miles an hour or so. He's a guy who doesn't have great command, but it's a good fastball, good slider, but he's got to have a little bit of command. He's got to pitch it at 96 to 98 if he's going to be effective. If he's at you know, 94, 95, it's just not going to play as well. So hopefully he had a good offseason, came back healthy, um, worked out all offseason, and he's ready to come back pumping, pumping upper 90s. Yeah. And, you know, if you ever look at his Instagram, the dude does nothing, but it looks like workout. So, you know, you, you know, he's into it. But, but I, I find it interesting because some of these guys that are here, uh, Manny, uh, Mark Leiter Jr., who Cub fans know from last year, and Anthony Kay, they were DFA during the winter, obviously, when they make uh, you're making your 40 man roster crunch and you're having to make decisions. So maybe these guys kind of, you know, try to prove something. I don't know. I mean, obviously, they want to make it, but. You know, it's got to be weird to kind of realize, okay, you're DFA'd and then now you're back. I know Mark Leiter Jr. tested free agency, minor league free agency, and it didn't go so well. Yeah, there's a little bit of that. I know Anthony Kay had a good tweet where he um, he went to the convention and then was DFA'd like a week later. So he got to experience that and then they, they sent him packing. But it's nice to have all three guys stick around the organization. You can never have too much depth in the bullpen. Um, and Leiter is a guy who... I think they kind of they DFA'd him because he didn't have any options left, and they kind of wanted that flexibility on the forty man roster. Um, and I think they're pretty happy to keep around. He was you look at the overall stat line, and it's maybe not that great last year, but it's skewed by a couple starts that he made. His time in the bullpen was actually awesome. It was I think he had like a two upper twos ERA and like a thirty percent K rate. Um, he was great in the pen, and I think he's probably the guy on this list who has the best shot of making the roster out of the spring. Now, I talked to another famous Tommy, Tommy Birch uh, from the Des Moines Register. And, you know, he was talking about guys that are probably going to start in AAA. And the, I, I asked him, you know, you know, who on, who's not on this list, but you're still kind of curious. I think he had like a you know, top five. It was like Mervis and, and, and uh, Brennan Davis and all these guys. And, and the, he said, the one guy I'm most interested in right now is, is Braylon Marquez. He said, still, you know, it's just if you think about it, Tommy, he, he was him and Miguel Amaya at one time were like, the two golden childs of the uh, prospect organization. And because of injuries and other issues, you know, they've kind of just gotten lost in the shuffle with this new next wave of talent that's come through. But Braylon is a guy, you know, just, you always look at him and you say, if, if he can just stay healthy, it's one of those type of guys, you know? Yeah. I mean, anytime you see a guy who can throw 99 from the left side, you're going to be interested. Um, I think there's been a lot of mystery, at least from the outside, about his shoulder and kind of how he's been able to come back. So I think it's just one of those things where he, he's almost truly starting from scratch with the Cubs, right? And then they're just going to have him show up in spring. Hopefully he's in good shape and, and see what he looks like. Um, like you said, I think he does head to Iowa if, if he's healthy and just kind of see see what's going. But, I mean, we all saw what he did in, in 20 – I think it was 2019 at this point. Yeah. Um, and it was, it was electric stuff. He didn't command it very well in that outing against the White Sox, or I think he walked like five guys, but he 
in the minors that year was absolutely amazing. So I think it's, it's, it's cool to have him still around and see what he can do. But yeah, I think he went from being the top guy and I'm not even sure he's necessarily a top 40 prospect in the Cubs system anymore. And it's a little bit of combo of the talent <laughs> they have. And then also just hit how fall he's uh, how far he's fallen. Okay. So in addition to the pitchers that we talked about, you have seven infielders and five outfielders, and it really is an interesting group of the, you know, just kind of, you know, backup in case of emergency break last type of guys and guys that are some of the top prospects in the Cubs system for the infielders. You got Sergio Alcantara, David Bodie, Matt Mervis, Esteban Kairos, uh, Chase Strumpf, Andy Weber, and Jared Young. We've seen some of these guys up here. Uh, Sergio Alcantara, everyone remembers the infamous David Bodie ultimate slam, Esteban Kairos. Uh, you know, these are guys that, you know, if, if they're up in the major leagues, that means there's been a big problem on this Cubs team, right? Yeah, I think they've, one of the things that stands out this year is there, there aren't necessarily a lot of top prospects in the bats they have in the list. Obviously Matt Mervis is one of their top guys. And then Pete Crow Armstrong at the outfielders is one of their top guys. But I think in years past, you had seen a lot more of the guys you see on top prospect lists invited to camp uh, this year. They've got some 40 man depth already, but then I think they've just got a couple like interesting veteran depth guys. Um, you know, I think obviously David Bodie's still around. I think he can provide something off the bench if you need him. Um, the rest of these guys, I think, are, are pretty good AAA depth. Chase Strumpf is the guy for me who's really – I'm really interested to see how he handles this year. He's kind of an interesting story where he came into pro ball out of college as a guy who made a ton of contact, maybe didn't have a ton of power, and that kind of switch is flipped completely. He's now a guy who hits for a ton of power at second and third base, but he strikes out at a 35 like percent clip. So it's, he's got to bring that down a little bit, but I think he's got the versatility and I think the bat can play if that carry just comes down a little bit. Yeah. Chase, Chase Trump. And, and you mentioned Matt Mash Mervis. I mean, that has got to be to me, Tommy, one of the most unique stories in a while, like just a guy that really didn't do much in Myrtle beach. You know, he was undrafted out of Duke. And then all of a sudden just has the most unbelievable season last year, going through South Bend all the way to AAA into the AFL and just hitting home runs everywhere he goes. Uh, you know, obviously, you know, you, you know, there may be some holes in his swing. Who knows what last year was, but it's going to be really interesting to see Matt Mervis and see if he can continue it up this year in 2023. Yeah, I was listening to uh, the Baseball America guys talk today, and they were essentially saying after the 2021 season at Myrtle, like the Cubs had essentially written him off, and it's just he's he's an Oregon guy now. Like, don't really worry about it. If he pops up, he pops up. And then last year he you know, goes on a tear and it wasn't just that he went on a tear. It was the way he did it too. Right. Like every time he jumped up a level, his K rate went down, which never happens. Um, so it was obviously it was an amazing year for him. Um, and it's, I'm interested to see how he repeats. Um, I think the Cubs did a really good job of, you know, adding Hosmer, adding Mancini. So there's not this pressure for Mervis out of spring. I think in other seasons, you would have seen him and be like, Hey, he would have thought I have to have a huge spring to make this team. And I'm going to put all this pressure on myself. I think with the roster they've built now, it's this, he can go at his own pace. And when they feel he's ready, he can come up regardless of who else is on the roster. So I think he's, I think a lot of that pressure is off him and he can just go out there and play baseball and continue to build on what he did last year. Yeah. We had Brennan Davis on the podcast one time and we were talking about, he was playing, this was in uh, with the taxi squad in South Bend in 2020. And he was just, and he was just talking about, you know, just was an opportunity to work on things, you know, against really good pitchers. There's a lot of good pitchers at that camp at the time. Uh, 
you know, I want to say, uh, you know, Justin Steele and, and, and some of those guys were up there and he was facing them as just be- really good talent. And he's like, but when you don't have to worry about the numbers, when you're not looking up and having to see the scoreboard display and the home runs or the batting average. And the one thing I try to tell people is, is that like, you know, Tommy, you know, hitting at Wrigley field in April and May is not a lot of fun, you know, balls that should easily be home runs are just caught effortlessly by outfielders. So, you know, just let Mervis chill, see what he does, see how he does. And if he really is what we expect him to hopefully be, then you call him up and when it's June or July in Chicago, when the ball starts popping off the bat a little bit more, and then you really have some fun. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's good problems to have, right? You build that depth. And so you don't, it's what the Dodgers have done for years, right? You don't have to count on young guys. You just kind of let them matriculate as, as they're ready. Um, And that's when, those guys, that's how they've had guys like Gavin Lux and Walker Bueller and like those guys come up. They don't rush them up and make them play when they're not ready. They just, they have them force their way onto the major league roster. And I think that's what the Cubs are doing with Mervis. Right. They, and they don't have to be the star. They don't have to carry anything. They're just yep. guys that are just fun. So when we look at the outfielders, uh, Pete Crow Armstrong, Ben DeLucio, Darius Hill, Jonathan Peralza, and Mike Talkman. Now, everybody knows the, the initials PCA, although I think we should start calling you F, FCT. But um, with, with PCA, you know, the, the big buzz was that, that score that he got, was, I think it was baseball perspectives as far as his fielding. I mean, absolutely ridiculous. What did they say his glove was, 90 or something like that? Yeah, so on a, on a 20 to 80 scale, he got an 80 glove, which is essentially the best, the best grade you can get. Just unreal. And so it'll be, I mean, I, no one expects PCA to make the team, but just, just good to get him in his first camp and competitive, but there's a name in, in this group for me, I guess, is, is when I would talk, you know, to uh, Mick Gillespie over from Tennessee, the name he kept saying over and over again was Darius Hill, Darius Hill. And with this glut of talent that the Cubs have, especially in outfield, Darius Hill's kind of a name that just kind of gets overlooked a lot, you know? Yeah, I think it's it's hard for guys like Darius Hill because they don't necessarily show a lot of power in the minor leagues. And I think that's one of the the things you look at. Like, does that translate when you go up to the big leagues? I think that's that's the biggest question for Hill. But I mean, he led the minor leagues in hits last year for the Cubs. I mean, the guy the guy hit wherever he went. I think he's got a lot of Tommy Lastella to his game. You even watch his swing, and it kind of looks really similar. He's got the high leg kick, and he's got similar swing uh, aesthetically. So I think that's the guy I would compare him to. And you just have to kind of hope that he has enough power to where it becomes, and you know, instead of little pop-ups or flares, they end up being hard base hits. So I think it's just seeing what he does. I think he's got a shot to get some innings in the big leagues this year. If there's an injury or if someone goes down, I think Darius Hill could be next man up um, just because I think he's probably the most ready in terms of how advanced his bat is. But I think it's just seeing if it'll transition at the next level. And what do you what are you, what are you hoping to see out of Jonathan Peralta this season? Yeah, I think just continuing what he did last year. He was good from both sides of the plate last year. Um, he can hit. I don't know if he has a position. Um, I think he might be more DH than anything else. But I think just they obviously. I think they gave him a pretty priority minor league deal in the offseason to keep him around in the organization. So I think they just want to see if he hits in Iowa and then potentially hits in Chicago. I think he's one of those guys. Um, yeah. Similar name, but you know, Hendrick Pinyango in South Bend is a similar profile, right? Where he just kind of he's kind of hits like no matter what, like where he's at. Um, so I think just giving him another shot and they have the depth where they don't necessarily need to count on him, but just have him be some organizational depth. 
Now I gotta tell you, Tommy. You know I'm a meatball, and and I've just been so super excited about the minor leagues. You know, and I keep telling people, hey man, the future looks bright. Future looks bright. But I've been watching lately. Like you know, I, I check certain guys. You're one of the guys I check with to give myself a temperature check. Am I seeing things? But like when I see you kind of expressing some confidence, I feel better. I'm like, okay, then it's not just my cub rose tinted glasses. I've seen you getting in a little bit of arguments with people about the depth of this system. And, and as you know, I think it was rated 10th the other day. And I, I think people kind of are, are missing what makes this farm team so special. When you look at the, this team, what is it about the farm system that impresses you the most? Yeah, I think, and you know, they're in that six to 10 range in systems. I don't think there's a couple like really elite farm systems in baseball. I think Baltimore and Arizona are two of the teams. Um, even the Dodgers now still, um, but I think the Cubs kind of follow that next tier because they they have all the depth there. They just don't necessarily have those really, really high-end talents, that top, like, 10 prospect in baseball. Um, I think they have guys who could make that leap, but they're not quite there yet. Um, and I think it's a lot of guys, too, who are kind of pop-up candidates who just need to show it again. Like, had great years last year. Porter Hodge is one guy, I think, who was great last year. Um DJ hers can continue to build off what he's done. Um, Daniel Palencia was fantastic last year. I think there's a lot of those guys who were never real, like huge prospects, but just guys that can continue to build on what they did last year, who can then make that leap into, you know, top 150, top 200 prospects. And I think one of the things too, that a lot of people see is they just look at top 100 lists. Right. Um, and you know, the Cubs have been placing two or three guys on top of hundred lists, but then you look at Kylie McDaniel with ESPN dropped his, uh, farm rankings today and he had nine Cubs in his top 150. Um, and so essentially there's, there's really not that much difference between a hundredth ranked prospect and the 150th ranked prospect. A lot of time they'll have the same scouting scale grade. It's just kind of organizing how you want to as you're as you're doing those rankings. So I think a lot of people just focus solely on that top 100. I think it makes sense. Like there, there's definitely that lack of true elite prospects in the Cubs system, but I think they have built a ton of depth and guys that continue to improve and potentially make that extra leap. And, and you know, the, the one thing that I, I talked to a couple of the coaches, uh, hitting coaches for the Cubs, the minor league hitting coaches. And they said, you know what, we, we may not be, you know, we may fall in that 10 to six, but don't forget how young a lot of our players are. And so as they develop, as they mature, you're going to see the Cubs move up in those rankings. Yeah, I think there's three names that just stand out with exactly what you mentioned, like Kevin Alcantara, what he did last year at 19 in Myrtle Beach, with it, which is absolute hell on hitters, especially hitters that like to go gap to gap. Like he... I think had 19 home runs in Myrtle beach last year as a 19 year old, um, which is just absolutely absurd. And then James Triantos in Myrtle beach as well. I think that's a park that specifically hurts him because he doesn't necessarily have huge power, but he really likes to spray the ball over the field. So like balls that would, you know, potentially be home runs in right center, left center in other parks are not going out in Myrtle. Uh, then the other guys, Owen Casey in South Bend, they, they challenged him last year at 19 to go to South, to go to high a, and had just about as bad of an April as you could possibly have. And from May on was absolutely awesome. So I think there's three guys that are just continuing to grow. I think both Triantos and Alcantara, I think we can potentially see them explode in South Bend. Just getting out of Myrtle Beach helps a lot. But yeah, there's there's a lot of youth in the system. Even Pico Armstrong is, what, 20 years old and 
he'll probably start the year at double a Tennessee. So I think there's just a lot of youth that's just coming up. So now Tommy, when you, when you sit there, one of the things that I kind of feel is I feel like the drafting has been better and, and the player development, like both sides of that. Have you noticed that as well? The player development, especially on the pitching side, is what's really stood out to me. I think they've done a really awesome job of not not being cookie cutter with guys. Like I know there's been a lot of talk about certain pitch qualities they like. They like to teach the sweeper slider for certain guys. But I think they've been really good at customizing development plans for all the pitchers. Um, like you see just whether it's um, Daniel Palencia or DJ Hers or – Porter Hodge or any of those guys, they've just been on different paths or even Jordan Wicks, right? Like he picks up a slider last year and and the ERA may not look great because some of the defense behind him wasn't fantastic, but his strikeout to walk numbers last year and his first pro season were, were fantastic. So I think there's, they've done a really good job of just almost developing in bulk the arms, right? I think there's going to be like, I know Theo used to talk about wave after wave of talent. Like it truly feels like that's what they've built with arms like we obviously saw Justin Steele and Keegan Thompson last year and Hayden Wisniewski at the end of the year, but I think we're going to see guys like Ben Brown come up this year, Jordan Wicks. And then right behind them, you've got, you know, DJ Harris and Porter Hodge and all those guys. So I think it's going to be like truly a wave after wave of talent when it comes to arms. So funny because you think about that, the, that, that core team from 2015 to 2020, and that was the one thing they couldn't develop arms. And now all of a sudden you're looking at that system and it's filling up pretty good. So like I said, I'm, I'm, I'm happy. I, I think that there, you know, when you think a look at the minor leagues last year and you had three teams in the postseason, uh, Tennessee was one win away from the championship and South Bend wins the championship. And all those guys are essentially going to be there again, just one, you know, maybe one level up or something. It's, it's going to be fun to see what the Cubs do this year in the minor league systems. Yeah, I think a lot of it is you want to see the minor league systems popping, but also the big league team being good, right? Like that's what the Dodgers and Cardinals and six Rays, like a successful organization have done for years. And I think it kind of looks bad when you're the Cubs right now and fans are just focusing solely on the minor league system. But I think as they build the big league team up, like I think there's no harm in focusing on how good the minor league systems become. You can also then hope that they build a big league winner and do both at the same time. So I don't think it's either, I don't think it's either or at all. Absolutely. And I think you're starting to see that balance with the 2023 Cubs. It's going to be a lot more fun. Plus the fun you're going to have in the minor league system. I just think it's going to be fun to be a Cubs fan. So I appreciate you jumping on here tonight, Tommy. I know I'll see you around the ballpark and maybe we, we, we head down to South Bend and check a couple of these guys out. What do you think? Yeah, I think we were already talking about doing a trip. So uh, I think maybe a nice cold April South Bend game would be pretty fun. Uh, yeah, it sounds good, Tommy. I look forward to having you on again and you take care. Awesome. Thanks for having me, Carly.